0: I'm getting into the chapters that were really eye-opening to me. And I'm talking about chapters of Roman of Romans of Paul's letter to the Romans. Um I've covered chapters 1 through 5 in prior podcast and I'm on chapter 6 now. And this is where a little bit further into this where I really had my eyes opened. I I finally, it just like clicked and I was like, wow, I get it now. I didn't understand it before, but the paragraph, the first paragraph of chapter six, I underlined. So I'm going to read it. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Jesus, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the father, we too may live a new life. That's a little bit complicated for for me, like in first reading it, you might have to read it a few times, but I'm just going to give commentary on what it says to me. And that's, you know, once we have surrendered our life to Jesus and we, to me, that means saying, I finally realized that I can't do it on my own, that I need Jesus In order to be in good grace with God, to be in eternity with God, that the only way that I can get there is from what Jesus did on the cross. Jesus was the sacrifice for us. And in order to understand that, you have to understand the Old Testament, that sacrifices were required by the law to cover up sin And Jesus was the last sacrifice that ever had to be made. And so Jesus' sacrifice of himself, willingly letting himself be used as a sacrifice for our benefit, was the final sacrifice that had to be made by the law so that we are all enabled to be in eternity with God. So there's a lot of concepts that, you have to learn from the Old Testament to, in order to understand what Jesus did. Because we get taught Jesus died for our sins. We don't really know what that means. We have no concept of what that means. I didn't. I knew that fact, but I didn't really comprehend what it meant. And in order to comprehend it, you have to know where did the law come from? Why was it required? And I didn't even know why sacrifices were required. It was from the law. But God is just. And God created laws so that justice would prevail. And it gets complicated. And yes, it can get twisted. And it can get ugly because of the law. And that's what happened when evil took its impact on the world. Uh, The law, you know, what was made to be good... um, was damaged by evil but that won't prevail forever that will be gone someday so um we have that to be thankful for and grateful for but getting back to what paul said is that um you know once we once we surrender our lives to jesus and we um love jesus for what he did for us we are there for after compelled, like internally, I don't know how to explain it, but you just, you, you want to be obedient because you truly appreciate, you understand, you comprehend what Jesus did. Just by hearing those words, you don't get it until it becomes real. When you read the scriptures and it becomes real, that's when you comprehend what Jesus did. And, and that is why people are obedient to the laws, to the Ten Commandments. It's because of appreciation. It's because of us showing our love for God by doing that. And um, part of the baptism, I mean, Jesus says we have to be born again, so we have to put our old self to death, in a sense, and, and our new self is born. So that's that's what Baptism is symbolic of; it's symbolic of putting away or forgetting about your past, and you know, it's a it's a public um, show that you are done with that part of your life. You've gone to God in repentance, realizing that you that you know realizing I am sinful and I need Jesus. I've surrendered my life to Jesus. And this baptism is symbolic of me changing my life and becoming a different person, and me being led by God's Spirit. And when we read the Bible, we know that God's Spirit cannot dwell in someone that is filled with sin. So you have to get rid of that. And the only way that you can get rid of it is by a choice and that is choosing Jesus. So you have to make it known to God that you are choosing to believe in Jesus and you are surrendering your life to him. You are allowing him to do whatever it takes to get you to become his, his, to be reconciled with him. You already are his child, but to become reconciled with him, that to allow his spirit to work within us so that we can be connected to God again because God is merciful. God allows, He's forgiving. He allows us to come back to Him. So when we make that decision that we want God to rule our life, that's when we say, we tell Him we're surrendering to Him and that we need help to be obedient. We want to show Him love, but our flesh is weak and we need the Holy Spirit. And as we do that, with true intent, if we really mean that when we pray to God and we say that to God, God's spirit will help us then be transformed into a new person. And God's spirit will be at work within us until the day that we are brought up to God. And and then we are living with him. So it's kind of a an ongoing process and it's a little bit at a time and it takes, it's a gradual process. But as long as we stay connected to God through prayer and through scripture, that will happen to us. And we have nothing, anyone who's doing that has nothing to worry about. You don't have anything to fear for because God is your protection and God is the supreme being over everything and You don't have anything to worry when you have the top person, the top, you know, the top being covering you and protecting you. You don't have anything to worry about. So that's the benefit of all of this. But, you know, it is painful because as we are transitioning, there's going to be a part of us who still longs for that part of the sin that we enjoyed. Um, You know, sin is enjoyable, but it's short-sighted. Um, it, it is deceitful. It separates us from God and it's not lasting. There is no one that I can name or that I've seen who has proceeded in sinful living that is joyful, happy. If you look at it, It's really interesting because you look at, unfortunately, celebrities, actors, Hollywood, all of that. You look at these people who have a tremendous amount of wealth, and yet they are not happy. And their lives are so full of destruction, if you look at their relationships, how many people, and I I can't generalize and say everyone falls into this category because there are going to be some exceptions to this. Um, But I would say that the exceptions to this are ones who are children of God. But the ones who are not children of God, look at their lives. It's like massive destruction. You know, people put celebrities up on a stand and think they're so cool and all this stuff. But when you really look at their lives, look at how much pain they're in and how they are seeking, how they're seeking attention, how they're, I mean they're not satisfied, they're not at peace. They're looking for the next thing that they can get and they their lives are it's just like a path of destruction, like a tornado that follows them and they don't even see it, but I don't even want any part of that. And unfortunately, you know, we see that. But I feel sorry for those people because, you know, the ones who get into it and are deceived, um I I hope those people get to know Jesus. I hope those people's blinders get taken off of them that, um you know, because all of us could be like that. But thankfully... Those who are, are in Jesus are not like that. And anyway, I'm going to get back to the book again. Um, so there is, in this thing I, offer, I underlined, offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. So we have a lot to be grateful to Jesus for because what he did brought us from death to life. We were all destined for death. But Jesus' act, not his his act, but his action, um, gave us life. And we do owe it. We owe so much more than we could ever repay him. But we do owe it to him to live a life that shows our gratitude for him for what he did. So it gets back to, for sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. So sin becomes a master of us when we are not protected by Jesus. And when we are under the law, we're going to break it and we're going to be subject to death. But when we are under Jesus, we have grace and we are not going to die. We are going to be immortal and we are going to benefit in God's kingdom. And he has amazing plans for those who choose to do this. So this is, I underlined this and starred this in here. What then shall we sin because we are not under the law, but we're under by, under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are the slave of the one you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. This is something. We are all slaves, and we don't even know it. We were born slaves. You know, we were born a slave to sin, but we have to break through that. And at some point in our life, our eyes will be opened up, and we'll realize that we don't have to stay that, in that place That we have a choice. We can choose to refuse that slavery that we were born into because of evil, and we can choose Jesus. And when we choose Jesus, then we are no longer, when we ask God for his protection and we choose God, we are no longer the slave to sin. But at the same time, then we become a slave to God. So, a lot of people don't like that because that changes the way we should live, but the longer or the more time that you spend choosing and being obedient to God, it becomes easier and easier initially, at the very beginning, it's really hard, and that's something again that's a choice and it I liken it to um exercise and working out, no pain, no gain. So you're going to have to suffer a little bit. Jesus suffered on the cross. We have to do the same. If we're going to put this old life to death and have a new life and become a new person, it's going to be painful. We're going to have to give up things that we enjoy. And sin is fun. I mean, that's part of the deceit in it. But it it isn't good. Obviously, it's not good. And it's only going to hurt us in the end that's the deception in it. We think we're good, but we think we're having fun. We think we're living life. We think we're all these things and we think we're enjoying life, but there's going to be a point when we realize, wow, that was a mistake. I never should have done that. And hopefully that happens before God's wrath occurs And that's why I'm making these podcasts because I want to open up people's eyes to this and give you the opportunity, if you haven't done this already, to surrender your life to Jesus. Ask Jesus to protect you. Ask Jesus to help you with all this stuff because this was kind of eye-opening to me. Like I said, this is a spiritual book and you learn things that you would never know. And this is one of those things. So... Uh, The next thing, um, I would not have known what sin was had it not been for the law. So if, if God never gave the Ten Commandments, we wouldn't even know what sin was because we'd all have our own opinions about what's good and what's bad. But God gave it to us. God gave us those rules. He let us know this is what sin is and when we break those. Nevertheless, in order that sin might be recognized as sin, it used what is good to bring about my death so that through the commandment, sin might become utterly sinful. We know that the law is spiritual. But I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is the sin living in me that does it. This is, it was a revelation to me. It was like, When we have sin living in us, sin is controlling us. It's manipulating us. How many of us like to be manipulated by somebody else? How many of us like it when somebody controls us? I would say that we all would answer no, absolutely not. But when we read this book and we realize that if we don't make a choice against it, we are being manipulated. We are being controlled by evil. We're being controlled by sin. And people think this is the deception again. People think they have all this freedom. I can choose what I want and all this stuff. You know what? People are making themselves into gods because they think they can do all this stuff and get away with it. But they really can't. Ultimately God's going to be the judge of all that. So that's where this, is, this deception is just so well done, unfortunately, is that it has people believing the opposite. People believe they're free when they can do anything they want, but they're not. They are only a slave to sin which is going to bring death when God's judgment comes. And so that's the big deception, again, deception. It's so incredible because it did work. It worked for me. It, it, it made sense. I mean, it makes sense to everybody that you think because you're so deceived, but in reality, you're going to a death when you continue to sin. So that's, that's, that's the reason why I made a change in my life is I realized I wasn't going to be in eternity with God, the way I was living and that I needed a change and and that's why I changed. Um, there were a lot of series of events that led to that change, but ultimately realizing this made a huge impact on me. And I hope it does to you too, because only in love when you hear this from someone and you understand that anyone who tells you this is only telling you this in love. They would only tell you this because they love you, because their eyes have been opened up to this, and that they know what the future is because God said it. God is truth. The Bible is true. Scripture is true. And when you understand this, you will reject the manipulation. God isn't manipulating us. God is giving us a choice. God is saying, "Here's here it is take it or leave it. You choose this way. This is your outcome. You choose that. That's your outcome. You have a choice. You have life or death. Choose life. Choose Jesus. Ask Jesus for the Holy Spirit to help you. Surrender your life to God. Tell him that you want him to control your life. Because if you don't do that, you are being manipulated and you it will only like snowball just like a snowball when you roll it in it gets bigger and bigger and bigger you're going to get so trapped inside that snowball that it's going to be harder and harder to get out of it and and it just that's what that's what happens to sin the more you get into it the deeper you get the harder it is to get out in fact there was some creepy thing in scripture that i had seen that jesus said but he talked about when um, evil is residing within someone, if there's an evil spirit in someone and that evil spirit goes out of that person or they get rid of that person, but then they go back to you know, a sinful life again, that evil brings in like seven other spirits. That's how much evil wants to separate us from God they will bring on a big pack to attack us and so it is like once you surrender your life to god don't ever let go of that and stay connected because if you let go of that you're going to have a bigger battle than you had when you started out and when that reality sets in you're not going to want to let go of god you're not going to want to let go of Jesus. You're not going to want to let go of Scripture because you realize, like even Peter, who was Jesus's, you know, original disciple who was with him as he was praying before in Gethsemane before he was taken away to be crucified. Peter was saying, "Oh, you know, I'm I'm never going to turn away from you, God. I'm Jesus. I'm never going to, like, deny you." And then Jesus says, "Wait a second." you know, even you are going to, you know, you're going to deny me three times before this rooster crows. And then that happened. And then Peter knew that he had denied Jesus. He denied even knowing him the same night, or maybe this day after that he had said that to Jesus, that I'm never going to turn away from you. He did it three times. And this is someone very close to Jesus who humanly had a connection with him. So think about that. If someone humanly had a connection with him and evil could still step in and do something to that person, think of how at risk all of us are. That should only be encouragement for all of us to continue in scripture and to continue in prayers because we see by example that evil can come in really quickly through people who are very close to God very close to Jesus. And so again, it is our choice. We can stay connected and be under his protection, or if we leave his protection, we open ourselves up to evil. And you don't want to do that. So then, life through the Spirit. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, The law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. So the Spirit is what gives us life. The Spirit is what raised Jesus from the dead. God's Spirit residing inside us. God's Spirit cannot reside inside someone that is filled with sin. We need to remove the sin from us so that God's spirit can reside in us, and we need God's spirit. You know, and then people talk about the rapture. I'm going to talk about the rapture for a minute. Okay, it's not, the rapture quote is not in the word, it's not in the Bible. But the concept is, um, there's going to be a point in the future where the people, the children of God, will be brought up to him. This is before the end of the earth, before God's judgment Before the wrath of God, the people who are children of God are going to be brought to God. Some of them out of the graves and some of them who never even experienced death. And honestly, I think this is going to happen in my lifetime and your lifetime too, if you're hearing this. So, um, becoming a child of God and surrendering your life to God is pretty critical at this point in time and quite honestly it probably could save you from a lot of hardships um making that choice now. I've talked to a lot of people who have said to me, well, I'm just maybe going to wait. You know, I and I think it's just nobody wants to give up their sinfulness, their sinful lifestyle, but they don't realize In making that choice, you know, like what if something tragically happens to you? What if, you know, God gives certain numbered opportunities for us to make that choice? And what if this time that you have the choice that you're going to make and you say, oh, I'm going to wait. But God was thinking, all right, I already put this in front of them multiple times now and they keep turning me down. I'm cutting them off. What if he says that? And what if God says, well, you know what? I gave you this last opportunity, but you didn't take it. And you're going to die right now or tomorrow or tonight or whatever. What if that's God's power? God can do that. You have to really think about your choices. You really have to think about not putting off something that you can do today. What is it going to gain you to have another day of sin in your life what benefit do you get from that compare it to the benefit of immortality and eternity with God with no crying no pain no tears a an immortal body that obviously it's not going to be an old aging body okay because you know that I don't know what it's going to be like but and we're going to be recognized by other people but it's not going to be a decrepit body. It's going to be this beautiful body that God intended for us. And and so in this place, I mean, God is building and designing a place. He is such an awesome creator. And to think about this, I, I mean, if you look in Revelation, he has semi-precious stones that he's going to have in this, in this temple and on the streets. And, um, John, the disciple, the apostle of Jesus, when he saw the vision of what God has in the future for us, like streets paved of gold. I mean, like things that we just can't comprehend that he couldn't even describe, but he had to use jewels and things of wealth and value in order to describe what, what he saw from God. I mean, and I've heard other people who have had supernatural experiences where they've described, they've just said like, your senses are like a thousand times what they are right now. Like there is just like, it's undescribable. today. You can't describe what people have had visions of or seen. And, and, you know, it says that in the Bible, it talks about it in the Bible. Um, There is so much that, to hang on to this messiness that we have here in the world is ridiculous. When you think about the future and what the ultimate goal is and what you can have in the future, it's um, don't put off this decision. It's not worth it because no one can predict the future, and anyone who does predict the future. Um, Well, either they've been given a revelation from God or they've been given a revelation from a fallen angel trying to separate people from God. So I guess there can be an element of knowing the future, but not every single second of every single day. No one can do that. So um, anyway, it's time to get right with God for all of us. And I hope this inspires you to do that. Talk to you later.